Hello to all my Facebook friends and family. Great to have you along for the ride this afternoon. This is Bill Allen coming to you from Tyler, Texas, downtown area where our West Irwin Church of Christ building and facilities and all of that stuff is located. Glad to have you joining in as we continue on through this study of Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. Uh, the passage that talks about the armor of God. We began this study uh, a couple or so weeks ago and looked at the, the passages in the first few verses in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 in that group where uh, Paul the Apostle talks about uh, the uh, panoply of God, the wonderful armor of God and tells us to put on the full armor of God. Our great hymn, Soldiers of Christ Arise, speaks about this song and uses several of the phrases from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 in it. Uh, glad to see some folks already joining in. That's a wonderful thing. My cousin Gail, great to see you. Uh, my uh, friend Pat, my friends Cindy and Eric, and lots of others that'll be joining in. I appreciate so much uh, you all listening in and watching and viewing these studies. As I've said before, if you miss one of these, you can always scroll down on my Facebook page or scroll down on the West Irwin Church of Christ page. If you're looking at those pages, the West Irwin Church of Christ or the West Irwin Live, worship services are shown live. Uh, and also, of course, our westirwin.com. Remember, Irwin is spelled E-R-W-I-N. WestIrwin.com, our social media and resources, and that live streaming page. Uh, scrolling down a little bit, you click on video archives, and it's got a whole lot of stuff from uh, our previous lessons here uh, at West Irwin. And also, if you're watching something live there, then it'll show up in that big blue box. Um, one of the things that we're doing is our Wednesday night summer series that starts at 6.30 p.m., and you can see that on our West Irwin Live Facebook page or uh, that uh, westirwin.com uh, video page that shows our live stream uh, activities. So it's great to have you joining in, whether you're watching live or watching a little bit later. Glad to have you. Appreciate the support. Appreciate your desire to study and to know and to live uh, and to share God's Word. And today we're talking specifically about the last part of that. We're talking specifically about sharing God's word. And, uh, and that gets us to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. Uh, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So as we've begun this study of the armor of God, a spiritual armor for spiritual battle, um, we began with the belt of truth. It's amazing to me that uh, there's so much significance put on the word of God that uh, scripture shares time and time again, Old Testament and New Testament. Jesus affirmed that throughout the gospels, certainly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it is also affirmed and that's included uh, right here in the armor of God because of all of these wonderful things that he mentions uh, the belt of truth is the first one and the truth comes through the Word of God and that's what we began with a couple of weeks ago and then last week we looked at the breastplate of righteousness what it means to have the righteousness of God and today's lesson was a natural follow-up to that because what we share is the gospel that allows us 
to be righteous in the eyes of God, not with our own righteousness that we might earn from our own obedience, but rather the righteousness that comes from God. That's our breastplate, that righteousness of God, that righteousness we don't earn, we don't deserve, but that God gives us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, and now we go to that next one, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There's a lot in there, and uh, so we'll kind of take a look at it today and also on Thursday, uh, same time, same place, right here at 3 p.m. if you're watching live. Uh, marching was an essential part of a soldier's life in the first century, and no soldier could It's uh, no surprise to us, shouldn't be, that long before people uh, rode around in bicycles or motorcycles or cars or airplanes, they had to walk most everywhere they went or ride a donkey, perhaps. Um, and the soldiers were no different. When you talk about getting your marching orders, that's where that comes from. They marched everywhere, even before the Roman era. The breaking of a soldier's shoe was a metaphor for weakness or defeat. Because if their shoes were gone, they were gone. They couldn't travel, they couldn't march, they couldn't stand and fight. So when they were talking about a, a, an enemy being wounded or defeated, they would, they would use that metaphor that their shoes were broken. Um, the soldier's shoes were fashioned from thick leather and studied uh, studded through the soles with hobnails. Roman soldiers were so closely identified with their shoes that the slang term for Roman soldiers was boot men. Even today, when we talk about putting people uh, in uh, wartime and in war zones specifically, we talk about getting boots on the ground. And again, that's a metaphor for that soldier that begins with what is on their feet. Uh, <clears throat> as a runner, more previously than lately, although I've tried to start it up again uh, very slowly, um, I, I understand how important uh, taking care of your feet are. Uh, the shoes are absolutely important. In fact, my knees are a little sore right now uh, because the shoes I have are a little bit old, but they're about to be replaced. And it's, it's absolutely vital to wear the right kind of shoes and protect your feet. Uh, Joyce being almost a lifelong diabetic uh, since age 22, type one insulin dependent diabetic, she doesn't get very far into the doctor's office before they say, you need to take off your shoes and socks because they will want to look at her feet. It's those extremities that are so vital to a diabetic and for a soldier, especially a soldier in the first century, the shoes that they had, the boots that they wore were absolutely important. Whatever kind of sandals or shoes they could put on their feet, um, that was what was significant. And uh, it enabled them to stand firm and to keep their feet from slipping in battle. And so when Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20 says we put on this armor of God, the full armor of God, so that we can stand firm. And after everything's been said and done, we still stand. Um, and that's what the Roman soldiers were talking about. And that was the significance of what was on their feet. 
Without his shoes, a Roman soldier could not maintain his position against his enemies. He became vulnerable for defeat, but not just defeat in battle. In battle, defeat means many times death. And that was certainly the case for the first century soldiers. Well, let's transition from there to uh, back to Romans uh, to Ephesians chapter 6. And this verse in verse 15 that ends with this statement, having your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel is to be shared. Um, and so with apologies to Nancy Sinatra, who had that great song, These Boots Are Made For Walking. <laughs> um, with apologies to Ms. Sinatra, I've entitled this lesson, These Feet Were Made For Going. And as we'll look at a few scripture passages about that today and also on Thursday, that is the call of the Christian. Uh, this message doesn't stop with us. It just begins with us in our lives, and God calls us to be willing to share this message with others. And we need to be ready to do that. The words of 1 Peter 3 that we'll remind ourselves of later. Uh, at any moment, we are ready to answer to anyone who asks why we live with such hope. That's having your feet ready. the gospel of peace. We are ready to go. We're ready to go. And that's what this whole illustration means in this part of the armor of God. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, we're ready. Uh, we're ready to go. And we're ready to tell. Oh, I think one of the great stories and one of the great passages that speak to that is the great chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read that chapter. It's very short, but it's so very, very powerful because it gives us the story of the call of Isaiah and what led up to his being willing to play such an important role uh, in the message of God being carried out to his people and to other leaders and nations um, in the 8th century B.C., the 700s BCE. This message in Isaiah chapter 6 begins in verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. We're caught right away, aren't we? What a great entry into this chapter. The year that the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, Isaiah, died, and Isaiah lived and ministered in the temple area of Jerusalem. Uh, in the year that the king died, Isaiah says, I saw a vision of the real king of Judah and Israel, the one who was really on the throne the whole time. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. So this great vision of these angels, these seraphim, uh, that had six wings, and with two they covered their faces, perhaps out of humility, to, as if to say, I, I can't look upon that Holy One, the Lord who is on the throne. With two they covered their feet, 
uh, as if to say we're we're ready. Uh, we are the Lord is holy, but we are not. Our feet are dirty, and with two they covered. Uh, with two they were flying, and uh, the idea behind that is again that readiness. They were flying. They were kind of just hovering ready to go at a moment's notice when the Lord said go. Uh, and they were calling to one another while they were waiting for their next mis mis uh, mission, the next message they would share. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. A great contemporary Christian song a while back that was uh, that had that. And of course, the old hymn, that's taken from this passage and also the passages uh, specifically uh, in Revelation chapter 4 that speaks of the angels, the elders, all the hosts of heaven uh, shouting and singing, holy, holy, holy. We, we sing that song and it's a, a powerful, powerful testament to the holiness of God. Even these angels uh, proclaim that. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So these first four verses, Isaiah introduces himself and, and the time and the setting, but then we kind of lose sight of him as we're captivated by the one on the throne and the, the angels around him worshiping and ready to go. But now we go back to Isaiah himself. Verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah says, I'm a dead man. I am unclean. I, I am, I am uh, I, I'm sunk. Because he says, I am a sinful man. I am an unclean man. And the idea is that of leprosy. The I, That's what the... Uh, the people of uh, God were called upon to shout out if they were lepers and they were there was someone walking towards them, they had to cover their mouths and, and shout out, unclean, unclean. Well, that. I am living in with a people who are unclean, who are leprous and that Isaiah understood because he saw the Lord on the throne and was face to face with the Lord's holiness, Isaiah realized, uh, I, I have no business seeing this. I am a dead man because I have seen the holy God. Um, such a powerful passage. Verse six, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Why would he do that? Well, remember, Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. I am unclean. I'm a leper. Unclean, unclean. And so the angel comes and he brings that fire and Basically, now you are forgiven. Isaiah, good news, you're not going to die. Later on in his ministry, Isaiah would take a message to uh, King Hezekiah, telling him in that great passage, put your house in order, uh, because this illness that you have, you're not going to recover from, you're going to die. 
And Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays to God. Uh, those great passages of Hezekiah's prayers in Isaiah 37 and 38. And, and in this one, he turns his face to the wall and he prays and God tells Isaiah, turn around and tell him, I've got a new message for you. Uh, God has heard your prayer and you are not going to die. And he lengthens his life. Well, in the same way, Isaiah gets that message here. And God says, you have uh, been forgiven. He has his angels uh, bring that tongue and touch his mouth and say, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And you know, if that's where the chapter ended, that would be a very powerful chapter, wonderful chapter, amazing. But just like with us and our salvation and our healing and our forgiveness and our story, our story doesn't end at our conversion. It doesn't end with our forgiveness. The story continues on. And so did Isaiah's. Verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah gives us a picture of what our lives and every disciple's life should be like. We see the glory of the Lord. We recognize his holiness. And we also at the same time recognize our own sinfulness. And so because of that, we put our hands over our mouths and we shout out unclean, unclean. I am unclean. I am leprous. I am a sinner in the eyes of the holy God. And I live, everyone around me is the same. And I know that I'm about to die because if I get what I deserve, that's what'll happen. And then God brings us that healing and that forgiveness and that salvation that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. Just as we talked about last week, that righteousness that comes from God that we put on as a breastplate. And so we respond in faith to the wonderful good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came and he lived and he died and he rose again. And now if we trust in him with obedient faith, uh, then we'll be saved and we can live out our lives, not in perfect obedience, but we can live out our lives in trusting faithful obedience. And we believe that message and we turn away from our life of sin and get on that path towards the righteousness of God. We confess that that's our faith and that's our desire. And, and then we're baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, buried with him through baptism into death, as Paul says in Romans 6 and in Colossians 2, so that we might be raised to live a new life, not a perfect life, but a life of faithfulness and gratitude uh, before the Lord. And a part of that is being willing to take that same message to others. And so when Isaiah hears that call from the throne saying, who, who, who can we send? Who will go for us? We have a message to give to people. Who will it be? Isaiah immediately raises his hand. And he says, here am I. Send me. Isaiah got it. He understood that because God had saved him and had forgiven him when he had no business continuing to live. Then when that opportunity came for others to hear that same saving message, Isaiah was ready to go. And he went and he faithfully carried the message of God to the Jews in Jerusalem and Israel. 
in Aram or Syria, uh, and Assyria, the power, the world power of the day, and to anyone who would listen. And that's to be our message as well. That's what it means to have your feet ready to take the gospel of peace wherever the Lord might send you. Just like those angels, those seraphim were that way, we too are that way. Uh, we too are ready to take that same message. Um, in Matthew chapter 28, that great com commission that um, Jesus gave his disciples, gave us, just before he ascended into heaven. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, Mark puts it this way in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The one who believes and is baptized shall be saved. The one who does not believe shall be condemned. Uh, Luke in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 has Jesus just before his ascension putting it this way. Uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. The, the town where they were at that moment, in Judea and Samaria, the surrounding region, and to the very end of the world, of the earth. That's, that's the same as our commission today. <laughs> that great commission wasn't just given to the first century apostles, but it was given to us. It was given to us. It was the same commission that was given to Isaiah. And just as Isaiah 6 continues on, and the Lord tells Isaiah, look, you know, before you completely volunteer, let me tell you, this is going to be hard. The people aren't going to listen to you. This message that you have for them, it's going to be a hard message for them to hear. And there's going to be so many that do not receive it well and do not accept it and reject it and reject you. But you have to remember that they're rejecting me. Just as Jesus said, uh, the ones who uh, reject you are not rejecting you. Uh, they're rejecting me. And, and that's what Isaiah learned to understand. And that's what we get to learn to understand as well. Um, and then we turn to that great passage in Romans uh, chapter 10 that speaks of uh, what it means to carry this message. Earlier in Romans chapter 1, as we said, uh, Paul himself had said, look, I can't wait to go where you are in the capital city of the world empire, Rome, uh, to take this gospel to them as well. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the non-Jew. Uh, because in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that comes by faith uh, from first to last, beginning to end, a to Z. And that's the same gospel that we have. We have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from that very same gospel of peace that Paul was willing to take even to the capital of the empire. And how important was it to be spread? Well, listen to what Paul himself says later on in Romans in chapter 10 as he closes out this passage saying, you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Uh, in order to be saved. He says in verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord with that kind of obedient faith uh, will be saved. 
And then he continues in verse 14. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Also a quote from Isaiah chapter 52. Um, Isaiah was one of those who understood that. He understood that the people would never hear the message of God unless someone took it and he volunteered. And that's what we have done as well. When we name the name of Christ, we have volunteered. We have thrown our hand up in the air and told God, here am I, Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll do it imperfectly, but with your power and with your strength and with your message, uh, I will go. I will go. And 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 Paul makes that great statement, quoting from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 includes this, our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So we see that we're ready to go and we're ready to tell and we're ready to share. But it also reminds us that we go with the gospel of peace. That great gospel message that has been around since the first century that Jesus uh, first shared, that John the Baptist first shared, uh, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus died and was raised again and the message became he's He's, he's alive, he's risen. And then in Acts chapter 2, that Holy Spirit came and the disciples preached for the first time repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of the resurrected Jesus Christ, just as he promised would happen at the end of the Gospel of Luke in Luke 24. Um, that is the message that we still have, that we still have. And so we're ready to speak that message. Again, the passage I alluded to earlier in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Always be ready uh, with an answer to those who ask about why you have hope. We'll talk about this more on Thursday as we talk about how do we do this. I, and I think for us it's not easy because of our fear and our lack of faith. And sometimes our lack of understanding about the part we play in this and the process of evangelism and of someone coming to know Christ. We're not all of the process, we're just a part of it. Just as Paul told the Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gives the increase. And we'll say more about those things on Thursday. Uh, Peter says, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks why you have hope. And do that with gentleness and respect, with love and consideration and humility, absolutely. But be willing to do that. And what Paul tells the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, we should be about speaking the truth in love. We're willing to speak, and it's of the truth. Remember, we have that belt of truth on. We're willing to speak the truth, but we do that in love. It's the gospel of peace. And so as we come back to this great part of the armor of God on Thursday, we'll ask ourselves, is, is that our message? Is our message one of peace? Is our message one that talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is good news? That's where we'll begin next time. Is our message good news? Is the gospel we share 
one of peace and are our feet ready to go and take that message to others? Will we raise our hands with Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. May God bless you as you do that. I'll see you Thursday afternoon.